What an honor it is to call you Lord. What an honor it is to serve you. Father, we pray that as we speak your word, we would be changed. Father, we want to honor you with our lives as we pray in your son's name. Amen. You can have a seat. So how many were at the uh, Cat Grizz game yesterday? How many are happy? Yeah. How many are disappointed? That's good. That's good. Show some pride. That's good. I like it. So if you were at the game yesterday, you heard the people sitting next to me. We had one guy sitting next to us who challenged my, uh, my thoughts on life. Is, I kid you not, he was the most creative person with cuss words that I have ever heard in my life. He rolled these things like they were just second nature, and every once in a while he would throw in a word that wasn't a cuss word. And it was interesting just watching the response of people. First, it was a, the, the Grizz people would look at him, and he's one of these guys, if you throw a rock at him, he's going to hit you with a bazooka. And he would just throw it straight back at him and just, and then it was the, the um, bobcat people would turn and try to, to shut him down, and he would he'd be the same way. And even my wife, my loving wife, was apologizing to Grizz people as they were walking by. I'm sorry about what he said, which I thought was excellent. I was, I was very proud of her. And at the end of the game, uh, and he was just loud and driving everybody nuts, driving me nuts. I kept thinking, what do you say to someone like that? What do you do? Because nothing, nothing worked. Nothing was working. And I guess he got into this conversation with a guy who said, look, everybody around you is annoyed by it. Everybody, no one thinks, every, and this guy just, the guy who was cussing turned around and just led into this guy. And so the guy took his wallet out and showed him that he was an off-duty police officer. <laughs> and suddenly the guy got quiet. But how do you love people like that? Um, they just get you wound up, get you going. We're going we're gonna to look in that today. But I wanted to start off with, with a, a story. Um, there's a man named Larry. And this was back in 1982. And Larry desperately wanted to fly. How many in here fly? Let me. Okay, good. So you'll, you'll track with this. Desperately want to fly, but because of eyesight... And uh, he wasn't able to, to fly. But I admired him because he didn't let that stop him. You know, eyesight is highly overrated in flying, right? <laughs> so he thought, well, if I can't get a license, I'm going to figure this out on my own. So he went out and he bought a lawn chair. And he bought some uh, weather balloons. Remember these weather balloons? And he thought, you know, I'll, I'll put some helium in these weather balloons and I'll, I'll just float up above the the ground a little bit and, you know, maybe 30 to 50 feet off the ground and just float and see wherever it takes me. But he, he was down in the L.A. area and he just kind of wanted to float over the desert a little bit. So he, um, he got his lawn chair and he bought some weather balloons. And, you know, if, if two would work, 45 would really work. So he bought 45 of these helium balloons and filled them up with helium tied him to his lawn chair, and, you know, he's going to need food because it's going to be a, a little while, so we went and got a cooler and stuck some sandwiches in, 
stuck some beer in, and, uh, and he bought it. You know, he's got to come down, right? So he's got a pellet gun. He took his pellet gun with him. So he straps himself in, and he's got it tied down to his Jeep, and he's filled up 45 weather balloons. And I can just hear the tension in the, in the rope. I don't know if Larry did, but I can imagine it. So he ties it to his Jeep, gets into his lawn chair, tells his friends to let him go. They cut the cord. And what he was hoping would be just a nice lift off and float about 30 to 50 feet up in the air, he took off like he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> and he didn't stop. He kept rising and rising and rising. And he, he got up to the point of fifteen to 16,000 feet in a lawn chair. <laughs> he started flying over LAX. LAX started getting these calls from uh, pilots. And, uh, you're not going to believe this, but we got a guy in a, some you know, a lawn chair flying at 15,000 feet. Guys, said, yeah, we know. We heard about it. So Larry thinks time to come down, right? A little out of control, a little out of his element. Takes his, takes his pellet gun and shoots out two balloons and then drops, loses grip of his pellet gun and it falls 15,000 feet. So he's floating, starting to come down. Make a long story shorter, he ended up in some power lines in the L.A. area, hanging there. Now, I want to put you into his spot. <clears throat> How would you feel in a lawn chair at 15,000 feet, floating only God knows where? And then you start coming down, not slowly, but you hit power lines. What would be going through your mind? Now, you're in the power lines, and you look down, and you see people trying to rescue you. What do you think of those who are rescuing you? Thank you, Jesus. The question that I want to look at today, and the thought is, um, we as Christians have been rescued. We have been rescued from death. And how does that change us? when we understand we've been rescued? How do we look at the person, or in our case, God, who has rescued us, and how does that change our life? I'll give you another example. Think about if you've ever been in a car wreck. I've talked to many people who have been in car wrecks where previously they were flying around 100 miles everywhere they go, invincible. They get into a car wreck, are pulled out by the police or the fire um, brigade, and suddenly they're driving slower and they're thanking those who saved them tremendously. I know people who have gone back to the rescuers just to say thank you in tears. And they are never the same after that. It's the same way with the Lord. We're going to look at a long passage today. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we are going to look at our rescuer. And I want you to to remember this thought as we go through. I want you walking out of here thinking this. God's love brings a life of confidence, integrity, and obedience. His love brings confidence, integrity, and obedience in our life. Let's read 1 John 4, 7 through 5, 5. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. But this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because he is so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has, uh, been, uh, who has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother, overcoming the world. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is a great section of Scripture that we can spend weeks on. Part of going through this section was thinking, what do I talk about? What do I... What do I pick out and focus on? Because there's so much there. So I looked at it and I broke it down and there's two things that I want to focus on today. God's deep love for you is the first one. God's deep love for you. And the second one is, what's our response to knowing that deep love from God? So God's deep love for you and our response to that love. This passage talks so much about that. It will change our lives and we have been changed if we follow Christ and because of who lives within us. Let's look at the first. God's deep love for you. Verse 7 through 11 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. It is the love of God that made manifest among us. 
that God sent his only son to the world so that we may live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, so we ought to love one another. This is a powerful and beautiful portrait of a creator of the universe and the one that we call Abba Father. The idea of Abba Father is to be able to love God so much. The term Abba means daddy. And you'll see that in scripture numerous times. It's the idea of coming up to the Lord. Have you ever seen a, a little kid? I mean, I'm sure one of these little kids today come up to their father, wrap their arms around them and say, Daddy. Have you ever had a child do that to you? Had one of your kids run up and just give you this big hug and say, Daddy. That's the father that we have, that we can come before and just wrap our arms around and call him daddy because of his love for us. And he goes on to say, notice it says, God is love and not love is God. There is a difference. One states the very essence of who God is and the other can be used to elevate a feeling among people. What do I mean by that? When we hear the the term love is God, it focuses on the greatness of love as its highest virtue. But it doesn't necessarily say anything about God. Now, if you turn that around and say, God is love, which the scripture says, places the focus on what? God first. God is love. We need to understand and realize the very essence of God is love. And it changes things. Um, have you ever been in, in a relationship where one person says, I love you? And depending on the reaction, the relationship goes, doesn't it? If one person says, Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, yeah, good to hear it. Good, good to hear it. Very nice. Very nice. Where do you want to go to eat tonight? That relationship changes, doesn't it? The relationship changes right there. Why? It's going to a different level. Now, if one says, oh, I love you, and the other one goes, oh, I love you too, the level of the relationship goes another way. So when we understand the depth of God's love, which is spiritual and holy, that takes us to a different level. That causes change in our life that we will get into in just a moment. This passage points out change in the life. And the first thing that we notice is this. God's love is pure and trustworthy. Through all trials that we go through, we can trust and rest in his love. God's proof of his love for you is that he sent his son to take away your sins. If we believe in him, you can live through Jesus. This is the gospel message that we live and for and trust in. It is the basis of God's love. Because of God's love and our need, he rescues us with Christ's death on the cross. This whole passage is the gospel. 
This whole passage is everything that we believe in, in a nutshell. This is where we plant our flag. This is what we will die for. And it's all based on God's love. Because of sin which separated us from God's love, he sent Jesus to be the propitiation, the payment to take away God's anger at sin so that we can be with the Lord. And it's based out of love. He says, I love you. But not in a manipulative way that we, can be, that we can use it. But in a way that is spiritual and holy and pure. There's a, a, a relative of mine who I've given the gospel to 19 different times. And, uh, and I'll give them to him another 19 times if I need to. As much as possible just so he understands. But at one point as we were talking at the end, he smiled and he looked at me and goes, that's why you guys wear crosses all the time. I said, you're right. It's not a picture of punishment, but we see it as a portrait of love and the sacrifice of God's love to us. So when we look up at the cross, that I hope always stays there, never falls on me when I'm pre preaching, we see God's love. And when we see God's love and we understand God's love, that changes us. Much like when someone tells you, I love you. Takes that relationship to a different level. So when Jesus, and when God says, I love you, and he sacrificed his only son for you because of your sin and my sin, that relationship changes. But what happens? This passage talks about Three things that I want to look at. The first one is confidence. First one is confidence. We understand, let me back up. We understand that God abides in us. The result of being rescued uh, is God now abides in us. Look at verse 12 through 16. It says this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected. In us. By this we know that we abide in Him and Him in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. A lot of abiding going on, isn't there, in that section of Scripture. Have you ever finished a book or a series of books and gone, oh, now I get it, now I, now I understand? If you've read The Hobbit and that whole series, it's kind of that way. Uh, my son loves Star Wars. You see the whole thing, you go, okay, now I get it. That's like this passage right here. God abides in us. God's love and in accepting him, God's spirit comes in us and abides in us. God saved us so that we could have his spirit in us and that he abides in us. And that we serve others in love and bringing glory to the Father as we emulate Christ. We reveal God through our actions to a watching world. 
Once you accept Jesus Christ, his spirit comes and indwells you and abides in you. And by your actions and how, in this case, how you love others, tells others about God's love for you and for them. Um, As I was listening to my friend screaming obscenities, the question was, how do you love a person like that? How would I be able to show him the love of Jesus Christ? That was one of the thoughts that I had running through my head. I didn't come up with a very good answer. But even in cases like that, it's easy to love my family. It's easy to love you. You're all nice and pretty. But there are other people, it's difficult. How do you show them God? How do you show them Christ? If you have a passion for Christ, you want to share him. When he abides in you, you share him when you love others. That will rock people's world. The more you love people, the more you showcase God. The more you showcase the love of Jesus has had for you. Now let's take the opposite. The less you love people, what does that say? It's more worldly. It's more fleshly. It's more focused. It's more prideful. When we love others, that's when we're showcasing God. So my question is to you and to me, how are you loving people? Do they know they're being loved? And are you loving them to showcase Christ? Because he is in you. It's easy to love our family. Um, Others, it's not. But we have no excuse because God abides in us. So now we have this picture of who God is. We have this picture of a rescuer of us, of you, of me. And we are thankful. We're joyful. We're thankful. He abides in us. What changes in our life? What changes? Let's, let's look at that. The first one that changes is we live with confidence. This passage points out three things. I'm going to start with confidence. Verse 17 and 19 says this. This is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. It all comes back, this verse points to the day of judgment. That is the end-all of end-all. That is something that you look and say, "Eh, that's scary. Or you can look for confidence in saying, Jesus has taken my place. And if I can get, and the passage is talking about, it's basically saying, if I can get past that, if I have no fear on that, what in the world can cause me fear? Why am I fearful of the world? We should be the most confident people walking the earth because Christ abides in us, And we know who we are in Jesus Christ. So no matter what situation you're going through, you can have confidence because God is always with you. Period. Joshua puts it great. And and as Joshua gave this beautiful example when God said, God told him, Have I not commanded you? 
If I was Joshua, I'd be a little nervous about that. God looking at me and saying, Dean, have I not commanded you? But he says, Joshua, have I not commanded you? What? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you. End of story. If you're going through something in your life and you're not confident, understand that the Lord is walking with you right now. He is never away from you. No matter who you're talking with, no matter what agency you're dealing with, no matter what your finances look like, no matter what condition your car is in, or friction you have at home, God is with you. And he is a rescuer that loves you. We should be the most confident people walking the earth because God is with us. I didn't say the most arrogant. I said the most confident. Confident in humility. I may have given the story before. I gave it to the staff. They asked a question and this one came up. They said, what person has impacted you uh, in your life? And I thought, and I said, you know, a lady who's about five foot one. And uh, basically, when we were in Switzerland, we were riding around and going from hostel to hostel. And we came up, and this lady, uh, we saw her off in the distance. And uh, I, I knew I was in, not in trouble, but I knew she was selling something. She just had this grin on her face, like, I got you, and I see you, and you're coming. We're going to have a conversation. So I, as I walked up, she smiled and stuck out her hand and shook it. And it was one of these strong handshakes. You know, not a dead fish, but it was strong. And she said, uh, Parlez-vous français? I went, nope. She's, ah, sprechen Sie Deutsch? I said, nein. I said, no, no, no. She's, oh, you're American. I said, yes, yes, I am. And she, uh, she said, I am here to tell you about Jesus Christ. And uh, I said, I got it covered. I'm good. I know him. And she, that didn't phase her. Uh, her hearing was bad, but it was good. And she said, you know, God has given me 20 languages, and I know them fluently, and I am here to talk to everybody about Jesus Christ. She is probably one of the most confident people I have ever run into in my life. Nothing against you. But she stood there all day talking to anybody that came up about Jesus Christ. And she was so comfortable with herself. So confident in herself, no one rattled her. And that was all because she knew the Savior. She, all because she knew God's love. She knew she had been rescued, and she was sent out on a mission, and she did it with joy. She had ultimate confidence. So when there are times in my life when my confidence wavers, sometimes I think back to her. And think, yeah, she's got it right. So my question to you would be, how is your confidence right now? How are you living a confident life? And if not, what is your view on the Lord? And what are you resting your confidence in? We should always rest our confidence in the Lord in everything. The second change that takes place is we live with integrity. Verse 20 to 21 says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother... He is a liar. God doesn't mix words, does he? For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. 
And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's talking about hypocrisy, isn't it? Ultimately, that's what he's talking about. A person saying, I love everybody except him. We have no right to say that. If we say that, let's have a conversation about Christ. Now there's a difference between going, I'm having a hard time with this person over here. And we're going through a spat. That's just life. That's unfortunately the world we live in. How do you deal with that in light of this passage? There's a difference from going, I love everybody except him, and I will never like him, to, Lord, I'm having a hard time with him. Help me get over that. Let me walk towards this person in love and try to reconcile. There's a big difference in that. Reconciliation will always happen and be moving towards reconciliation when we have trouble with people. Because God abides in us, and we move that direction. If that doesn't happen, we're usually stiff-arming God, and he'll let us. But understand, that's on us. So we live with honesty. We live with integrity. Third is this. We live in obedience to God. 5, 1 through 3 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who, li- who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. But this we know, that we love the children of God, that we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. We, be- we obey God out of delight, Because of the Lord's love for us. It is that love that rescued us and causes us to love others. He lives within us and calls us to do that. Obedience is out of trust and gratitude. I trust the Lord and I thank the Lord. There's a difference in obeying out of delight and duty, isn't there? Sometimes... We obey people out of duty. Other times, out of delight. We obey Christ and the Lord out of delight because of his love for us. Makes us say, thank you. Um, We always look to him. And that causes our gratitude and delight. I started with kind of a funny story. Uh, I'm going to end with one that's a little bit more somber, but I think more powerful. And it's the story about Alicia Appelman Yarman. She was a young Jewish girl of nine when the Germans came and invaded Poland. Uh, And throughout the book, she talks about her brothers and talks about her father and her mother, but she really talks a lot about her mother. And you can just see that connection, that closeness, that love, that devotion that she has for nobody else in the world but her mother. And I never really understood it until towards the end of the book. Throughout this period, she lost her brothers and she lost her father. 
And she and her mom were on the run for years uh, during this time of occupation. And it's just a horrendous story of what they went through and just an amazing one that she lived through it. But there was a, a point where they were in Poland and the Germans had left and she was free. And the Russians came in after the Germans. And while the Russians made her nervous, the Germans terrified her for what she had been running through. But she was free. She and her mom were free during that period of time. And then one morning, she woke up, and there were no Russians. The Russians had gone. And they started walking the streets, and the Germans came back. And the Germans went through to the front line and left her alone. And she thought, we're free. But after that, if you know your history, there was a group of Germans who come through following the army, and they looked for Jews. And they found Alicia and her mother in the road. And there was one man who found out that they were Jewish. And he pulled out his gun and pointed it at a 13-year-old Alicia. And at that same time, um, the mother jumped in front and was killed. And it got deathly quiet. And the guy ran out of bullets, she said. And she took off running. And she lived until 2017. I understand her devotion and her love and her passion for her mom now. That was driven by her mom's sacrifice and love for her. So every time she gets the chance, whether she was speaking publicly or writing books, she just lifted up her mother. And see, that's what Christ did for us. He took our sin, he took our death that we solely deserved. And out of love, he saved us. And it causes us to live in confidence, integrity, and obedience, and to be completely changed. And that's why we can say thank you. And that's why we can be obedient. And that's why we sing so loudly to God. And that's why we love each other so much, is because that sacrifice of God. I want to walk out of here changed. I want to walk out of here more grateful to my Savior and love others more than I've ever had in my life because of this passage of Scripture has affected me. Um, go back and read it. I want to challenge you. How much have you been affected by your rescuer? And has it changed your life? And walk out of here being grateful and loving people more than you did coming in. Let's pray. Father, um, as a group, we just say thank you. We see who our rescuer is. And we see the deep, pure love that you have for us. And we say thank you. Teach us to love you and love others more. And Lord, help us just to live a life of confidence, integrity, 
and Father in obedience out of delight for you. What an honor it is to be called children of God. We thank you as we pray in your son's name. Amen.